This episode of the Mac Rumor Show podcast is sponsored by Banktivity. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Rumor Show. I am Dan, joined by Hartley, and no guest today. But that doesn't mean this isn't an exciting episode because uh, we're going to look ahead to the future of what is a product category that Apple really needs to jump into, in my opinion. And the reason why we're talking about this is because Samsung just announced uh, the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 4 and the Z Flip 4, two of its prominent folding devices that honestly are so good that uh, I think Samsung's just kind of got a stranglehold of like the, the whole foldable phone market right now. I don't really think there's anything better um, out there. I mean, there are a couple of other options, and they're they're all good. But like, when you start to take in the 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 hardware, the durability, the design, the software, um, it's just hard to beat. Until again, you know, coming from a from an Apple fan's perspective, I think when Apple does decide to jump into this, then yeah, that's going to be the the main competition. But uh, my main question is like when. When is this going to happen? Because I'm getting tired of waiting. The more I use Samsung folding phones, the more I really want one, but with iOS on it. Well, I think it's it's very similar to, you know, the wait for, uh, you know, an Apple electric vehicle. It's very similar to the wait for uh, an Apple headset. Apple always waits un- until the technology is a lot more mature. Um, and I think we can definitely agree that. Um, Samsung has needed the time to iterate on its devices. And that's why we're currently looking at uh, about 2025, around around then, that's what the rumors are currently indicating for Apple's first foldable iPhone or when it's moving into the, the foldable space. This is what's unclear is whether it will be uh, exactly when the foldable iPhone is coming. We know they're working on various foldable devices, but the foldable iPhone specifically is a little bit more of an open question. 2025 is really depressing, honestly, because, again, I'm being uh, selfish and I want it right now. But I, I understand the refinement. But, like, do you really think it's, like, the, the, the car? Because I feel like making a folding phone and making a car are two totally different things. And so, like, I'd expect that this should be something that they could do, especially since, like, other companies have already laid out the blueprint. Now, I'm guessing that Apple doesn't want one of the main things that's not great about most folding phones and that's that crease in the middle of the display. You know, Samsung still has that. And again, to me, it's not a big deal. Like, it is a little jarring at first when you first see it. And like, sometimes your finger kind of interacts with it when you're, you know, scrolling around. And But like, honestly, that really does go away. Like, after an hour of use, like, you really don't notice it. Um, so is that one of the holdups? And, and, and also durability. But like, Samsung, you know, obviously the first... Iteration yeah. was a was a nightmare <laughs> uh, for them. I mean, it just kind of showed like, hey, this is what it could be, but like, it might break pretty easily. But since then, it's been fantastic. So correct me if I'm wrong, but do the Samsung foldables have a plastic display? Yes and no. It's like a combination from what I remember. It is like plastic with some glass laid over it that can fold. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it does right. still scratch really easily. Um, you know, you do need to be careful with it still, but it's not nearly what it was uh, when it first launched. Where if like you got a little bit of sand in that hinge too, a lot of the the, the main culprit was the hinge, and like things could get kind of underneath it or inside of it. And so like if you brought that phone anywhere near any sand or like tiny rocks or anything, and like somehow got something in there, any major dust, like it was a, it was an issue, and people were starting to notice dead pixels and lines and uh, not good. Well, those are the, those are two of the things that Apple seems to really be concerned about, according to the rumors that we're hearing. So, um, the they definitely want to use glass. They don't want to have the sort of they don't really want plastic going anywhere near this display because it's not Apple's style. You know, they've really honed how their um, displays feel um, for you know the, the past decade easily. The the feel of an iPhone uh, fifteen uh, years ago was the same as, as it is now, um, exactly. And it was really only the initial prototype iPhones that actually had plastic screens. They've been glass ever since. So they don't want to make people sort of be excited to use the foldable but feel they're making a trade-off with that with that plastic display. So they want glass. But this was something that Ross Young mentioned to us um, 
a few podcasts back where he said that Apple just can't obtain the supply of those um, glass folding displays in the iPhone size. But strangely, they can get it for the iPad size or for you know a foldable, uh, a larger foldable display like a foldable MacBook or a foldable iPad. And that's why it may well be that we see the foldable iPad first um, because Apple just can't get this produced in sufficient volume or at least that's one of the problems that is holding them back. Um, the hinge being something else that we know they're, they're spending a lot of time developing. So that, yeah, that's, that, that's the weird thing. I remember we talked about this last time and I was just kind of like, well, is that going to be enough for people to want to adopt it? Because, you know, everybody wants an iPhone um, or, an, I mean, not everybody wants an iPhone, but an iPhone is, you know, the more popular device out of that category compared to the, the iPad. And so, like, I think more people would be intrigued by an iPad that unfolds into, I'm sorry, an iPhone that unfolds into something like a smaller iPad as opposed to an iPad that unfolds into something like a MacBook. Um, I mean, it will still be cool to see, and I'm definitely intrigued. And by all means, if anyone in Apple is listening to this, don't be discouraged by that. You should still develop this. It's not like they're listening to me about it anyways. But, like, I would just prefer to see the phone first because I think that's going to be much more of an important stepping stone into this field. I think a lot more uh, general people out there, consumers, would be more interested in that over a larger device where you could just get a laptop. And I mean, it, it does fold. It does fold. It is a laptop. I mean, why would any, I, I get it. There's going to be some other beneficial, beneficial uh, features to it, but I don't know. So that's one thing of my concern. The other thing is with Samsung, um, the outer display, uh, they've definitely made it better over the years, but like, it's still too tall for me. It's still a weird shape of a phone. Yes, and and also I think that what makes it feel weirder is the thickness, which obviously you can't avoid. But I think it, yeah. it sort of emphasizes what a weird form factor that is. It is really thick. It's 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 weird. Hold on, I have I want I want to bring them out. Hold on. Well, before we get into all of that, I do want to uh, take this time to talk about a sponsor of this episode. Hartley, we're in the rumor business, right? I mean, right. that's kind of what we do. Well. Rumor has it there's a band of renegade Mac developers in the woods of Vermont who have made it their mission to help people make the most of their money. They're called IGG Software, and they created Banktivity, a powerful suite of Mac, iOS-based personal financial tools. And from what I hear, it's helping people everywhere work towards all sorts of financial goals. Banktivity pulls all your bank accounts, investments, credit cards, monthly bills into one complete picture. So you always know what's coming in and going out. And then from there, you decide what financial goals you want to focus on. You can pay down debt. You can have savings for a down payment, a college fund, or retirement. Banktivity's goals tool will ask you how much you want to save and by when, and then you will tell it how much you want to save each month. Coupled with the envelope budgeting feature, you'll be able to prioritize your goals and track your progress across all of your devices. So it's more than easy to use and it's super secure. All your data is encrypted end-to-end. -end. No one but you can access it, not even the people at Banktivity. Subscriptions start at less than 50 bucks a year and now MacRumors listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just click the link in the description and you'll start saving on and with Banktivity today. So this isn't the the new one, um, but that will be coming soon. But this is the last year's, the, the three, the Z Fold 3. And so, like, this is better. Um, you know, before, when they first started to do this, Samsung, like, really limited the screen size. And it wasn't, like, had a huge top and bottom bezel, and that was not great. But now that it is extended, the issue is that it's just too tall. Like, it's just, it's weird. It's not a fun form factor. Like, it's fine for when you, like, really need to like check something you don't feel like unfolding it but the magic happens when you do this and you have that full screen obviously this is something right here if you guys are watching the podcast you'll see what i'm pointing to which is the big crease in the middle this is something that you know apple does not want is my guess and so this is what's probably holding things up uh, alongside a myriad of other issues but yeah i would like to apple to see or find a way to make it like i think what would be the perfect size before I get into this with this other phone that I have here? What would be the perfect size for you in terms of the outer oh, screen? I think that the, the actual 
outer display size or what form factor this device should be is something that everyone will have different opinions on. And I expect I probably will be in the minority because I actually find the 6.1 inch display of the normal uh of the, of the standard size iPhones now to be a little bit too big. I preferred the 5.8 inch uh, iPhone 11 Pro, you know, that, that form factor. So for me, I would like a smaller device around 5.8 inches that folds out and probably is more of a clamshell design because sometimes I would appreciate um, having something that's a little bit more like a, an iPhone um, 13 Pro Max size, maybe, and then just has a little, you know, something that you can just interact with on the outside. Um, but then I, I'm a big fan of the iPad mini size as well. So maybe I want something that folds um, kind of out to be to be that size the other way. The, obviously, so, Samsung couldn't make this decision, which is why they offer both. Right. And so that's the other thing, which we'll talk about the Z Flip. We'll talk about that one soon. But while we're on the fold, this is um, Oppo or Oppo, however you want to pronounce it. This is one of their folding devices, and I apologize. I am blanking on the name. I believe it's the Find, what does it say here? The Find N Fold X, X? something like that. It, it's N. one of those. And maybe, I don't, I, I'm sorry. Well, someone can comment, but I mean, it's <laughs> it's their only folding device right now that they're, that they're offering. And uh, this is like a perfect size. This is, again, I don't know the exact specifics, Hartley. If you want to look it up while I'm talking about it, that would be beneficial because i think it is important for people to know you know for those who aren't watching what i mean but like uh this is i forgot about this phone so that's why i wanted to bring it up like this is the perfect size it's kind of small it's a little bit more compact than like a normal uh flagship but the the kicker here is that it's not weird it's like a normal size phone it it's got to be like 5.8 or 9 5.4 display 5.49 and then the inner display is 7.1 inches and it's the find n yeah so i mean it's and then it ex and then it, it folds out into like a more squarish device that uh like it just this makes more sense to me like going from yeah, this normal really size nice. compact phone to this would make so much more sense um and uh, you know if again if you're watching this uh look at the difference here like it's pretty massive this is much taller and skinnier. This is much more, you know, compact, shorter, fatter, however you want to describe it. Um, obviously, when you can go taller, then you can expand to something a little bit bigger in terms of screen. But, I mean, I don't know. I think I'd rather go a little bit smaller here in this department. I'd agree. Just because my you thoughts on that. Useful. It's, it's, it's no good if it's only really useful in, in the unfolded state. The external, uh, the outer display... For Apple's foldable. One of the more sort of out of left field rumors, I don't know if you would have caught this, Stan, is actually that Apple is looking at using an e-ink display for its outer display. So it wouldn't be like a I'm just I'm just shaking my head because that sounds terrible. Just based off of like e-ink displays that like I've like used in the past. Obviously I'm guessing Apple will have a better iteration, but like it doesn't sound as good. Well, it would be it would be for a different purpose. So this would be if Apple was really envisaging a main display inside, and that you wouldn't really use the the external display for very much. It could be good for reading, though. Be good for notifications because the great thing about e-ink. Um, so for any listeners that are unfamiliar, e-ink is completely different to like an LCD display or an OLED display. It's the same technology that you have on a on a Kindle, say, where it is. Um, actual ink under the display. So it looks um, matte and it doesn't actually emit any light, um, which means it's very gentle on your eyes and it uses almost no power at all. So you can leave stuff on there and it will use no no battery power. So if Apple was trying to sort of lean more into this kind of always on display, notifications, maybe a bit of reading, um, it could be very unique, but it just seems very unexpected. Yeah, would this be for the for the iPad related foldable or for the iPhone? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I would assume for the the iPhone. I but I I guess maybe this makes more sense if it's like the the uh, the flip version. We're oh, not entirely okay. clear yes. on what form factor. Yeah, that's fine. That's the other question. That's fine. That's actually okay. Now we'll I guess we'll transition into the flip um, portion because. 
I when I used it, I have these mixed feelings about it because I do really like the idea of like being able to fold your phone up and put it away um, and just like have such a smaller form factor and then flip it, you know, out and have your normal size phone. And that is actually a much better experience, in my opinion, um, than using the Z Fold overall because it's much more of like a, you know, normal phone. And I think that's going to be one of the more popular options. Um because you know not everybody wants a bigger screen carried around and it's just like a much better like normal feeling and then oh hey i can clamshell it up put it away and save it for later and but what the, the problem with that is that display on the samsung one is basically worthless and so if apple can figure right. out a way so that's okay this makes much more sense to me if they can do the e-ink with that and make it a little bit more functioning or functional and 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 make it better then yes i would be on board with that but if they were doing like a fold version and that was like a 5.8 inch display and it was all e-ink doesn't sound good to me well i'm i'm interested with what apple is doing with e-ink generally because they're also supposedly looking into this for larger devices as well um so looking at things maybe that could compete with tablets like the remarkable um, or some of the books devices. I don't know if you've um, tried any of those, but they are devices that are almost entirely dedicated to reading and note-taking. And that's fine. That would be okay. That's why I asked you earlier if it's for the iPhone or for the iPad. Um, as long as there's like a normal iPad screen that you'd flip into and like, you know, then if you wanted to really get into more of your normal basic iPhone, iPad functions, then yes. Um, I would be kind of on board with that. because then it's, And then it kind of brings back the iPad into like, what it was half originally intended to do, which was compete with e-readers out there. Um, and then it just kind of transformed into more than that because, well, it has more capability and functionality, but like that would be fine as well. I just think if it was anything for like a normal, you know, I'm holding up the Z Fold here, like this is the next iPhone and half, if this whole display was e-ink, that would, yeah. that would be terrible. <laughs> I, I do not think people would like that at no. all. I think it would be interesting, but people wouldn't. People sure. would think it was worse. I mean, because even just the colors, these are supposed to be color e-ink displays, but the colors are just never going to be as saturated, and they're never going to pop as much. Yeah, I mean, and like the point of of a folding phone is like, I mean, obviously, I don't know this the, the exact numbers, but like for me, I would want it to be fifty fifty. Like I want to be able to use the front screen. 50% of the time and then fold into the other part, you know, when I needed the other half. Uh, but it probably would lean a little maybe like 60-40 because, you know, most people use their phones by just quick glance, looking at something, responding to text. You don't need to unfold for that. But that experience still needs to be good. And if it's on an e-ink display, I can't imagine it's going to be as good as just a regular display, especially since we're all getting used to the LTPO, 120 hertz. And, like, Samsung does have... 120 hertz on this front display now and it's like it's still it's a really good display it's just tall and weird to work with sometimes well i think the the thing that will be key to however they implement this is ultimately where because i think that if apple was to create a foldable right now ios or ipad os whatever ends up running on it um would not play nicely with a foldable i don't think I don't think that just putting iOS on the uh, outer display and iPadOS on the inside really cuts it, personally. This is interesting. What would you What would you want them to do? Because I feel like that's that's the only thing they can do, right? They're not going to make a special Fold OS. Would they make Fold OS? Right. I guess what 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 made me first realize this and be worried about this was the iPad Mini. Because I think the iPad Mini's version of iPadOS is so poorly optimized for that size of display. So the things are so small on it, they're not scaled properly. Um, I don't know if it's just the aspect ratio of the device that makes it feel worse. But for example, why is the battery indicator, and this is a good week to talk about battery indicators. Oh, yeah. Uh, why is the battery indicator smaller on the iPad Mini than it is on any iPhone. That's true. It, and I don't know if you've seen things like widgets on the iPad mini's display. They look ridiculous. Um, and the text, it's like it all doesn't, it's all really squished in. It, it's not built for something that size. Even app icons are way smaller than they are on an iPhone. 
So the touch targets are really small, which makes it feel like a really awkward device to use. I feel like it would have been better off just running iOS, actually. Yeah, that's true. I don't use my iPad mini as much, so like I'm not I'm not really like understanding most of these uh issues as much as you probably use yours. So like uh, Well, this was the thing that made me not use mine so much. That's this was my this, main disappointment with the iPad mini. That's probably what happened to me subconsciously. It's just like, eh, this isn't as good. I would rather just have a bigger display. Um no, I I guess so. And that's, you know, that's some of the things that Android um and Google are are um kind of working on as well. They've they've kind of made their own version for larger devices like these that aren't necessarily tablets. Um I forget what they call it, but like they did make their own and and so that's another refinement that's that's with this Z Fold 4 is that they're taking advantage of that so things aren't weird because it was weird too. A lot of the apps did Android Android L yeah, right, right, right. That, like, that makes sense. Um, yeah, they 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 basically made their own little version of like you know based off of the current version of Android, but to optimize for these larger displays, uh, certainly when they fold. And like Samsung did a good job of implementing some features, you know, with its software, but there was only so much they could do before it was up to the developers and up to you know the folks at Google and to make it you know their own system function settings like better for these displays so yeah i mean apple's gonna have to do that and that's i'm guessing that's probably where a lot of their troubles lie I, if i had to guess i'm I, i'm guessing they're probably more held up with software than they are hardware i know things are hard to get but yeah well apple's develop uh, i think apple is very overstretched in terms of its software i think that as 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 interesting as ios 16 has been as a release and what a great year for software this is for apple um i'm concerned more broadly about how overstretched um, Apple developers are, because I think a lot of the resources um, that Apple has in terms of development are being used on the headset, because that is obviously, it's all software. I mean, when you're using it, you're almost, you're singularly aware of the software, um, other than just, you know, the, the comfort on your face. The It, it really is um, a, a almost entirely a, a software-only experience. Um, so, and developing a whole new OS, reality OS, that's going to take um, a, a huge amount of time and a huge amount of their developing um, power. So maybe that's kind of taken a little bit of the the emphasis off working out how iOS could transition into iPadOS. Because I'm thinking, you know, how would multitasking work? How would the dock work? Would it have Stage Manager? Um, you know, which which features would be locked off when you move to that main display? How will things scale properly? And they're having such bad issues with Stage Manager at the moment that it looks like iPadOS is going to be delayed for a month. Yeah, I don't think I don't think this would need. Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on what we're talking about. I think for the sake of this, we'll stick with the phone version since that's what we're kind of comparing it to with Samsung's recent you know, release. Um, I don't think you need, I think if you could just optimize some of the main core functions for when you fold and unfold, um, you know, like what Samsung does when you're looking at the maps app and you unfold it and it's just a full screen, larger version of that. And it, it fits properly and it looks good. And it's, I forget what they call it, continuity or something where you just can go from one app on the one screen to the next. And like, it's a good, it, it works really well with apps that are optimized for it. So if Apple can make sure that all of its own apps are optimized, um, then they'd have to make sure there's some developer kit for it. Um, and then really it's just, you know, I think if you can borrow some iPad features, just kind of like multitasking, like maybe it's early days of multitasking, like, so, you know, split view and maybe yeah. slide over is really all you need on a device that would be, you know, iPad mini-esque. Like, I don't think you need stage manager. I think that's overdoing it. And, but even then, I think the 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 whole even just with things like slide over and split view, Apple has got you know further further to go in terms of making the multitasking experience good. And on a smaller device, which I'm guessing this would be, it would be slightly smaller than the iPad Mini. I mean, I guess I guess it all depends on you know the aspect ratio of this device, how things actually work out. But if it's a smaller device that you just kind of get out in a hurry, you want to be able to multitask on it really smoothly and really easily. And I don't think that the state of multitasking on the iPad is there yet. So that kind of comes hand in hand with it, as does how would this device be different if you use it in a kind of half unfolded state? I know this is something that 
um, Samsung has taken advantage of just for things like video calls with the, I think it is with the flip that you can use it for selfies or things like that. That's built into the software so that you can kind of use it, um, an angle to display like a, like a little tiny laptop. Um, Yeah. Apple would surely have to work that into its its apps as well and make that useful. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard for me to think of like in terms of developers because I'm like, well, I mean, if Samsung can do it, then I don't see why Apple couldn't do it. You know, like I know that's such a vague, poor response, but I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like that's what most people are thinking. Well, if Samsung can do it, then why can't Apple, who is, you know, just as big, if not bigger, we'll probably say they're probably bigger. You know, Samsung's a huge company. Um, and Apple's right there. So, I mean, I don't understand what, I mean, I, I understand why people would say that. And so, um, and speaking of that feature, it is cool, but like at first it did. So here's the thing, Samsung releases these features and there are some good functionality behind it, but it, it just takes more refinement, just like anything else. Like it wasn't super useful right off the bat, but like it is better now. Um, they've made it better. Uh, it definitely, a lot, it just takes time for those other apps to recognize when it's half folded so that it like you know with youtube i remember early on like it was you could watch a youtube video and leave a comment at the same time well i could do that now with other ways but like the way they showed it was much cooler where it was like it automatically flipped half that screen at the top was the video and half of it was a more optimized version of the comment section but at first it wasn't like that at launch it was horrific it didn't work properly um, but it's gotten so much better. And then again, being able to like use it as a like a mini tripod, basically, you can set it down on the table and be able to record something. You know, you can see yourself and uh, what's going on out in the world where your cameras are pointed at. And so I do think that Apple can add those in at some point. But like, let's just keep it simple. We want an iPad esque experience when we uh, unfold it, and we want it to be a normal iPhone when we don't. I think that Apple's way of thinking about these things, and I think this is something that it's very easy for for us to say is that we just think, well, if one company can do it, why you know why can't Apple? But I think that's because Apple isn't actually trying to do that. I don't think Apple is trying to make um, a foldable that is even comparable to what Samsung is doing. You know, they they could make um, you know a Tesla equivalent now very easily. They could take advantage of. Um, you know the existing supply chains and create a, a car that way. is very similar. They want to do it yeah. their way, and, and it's the same. It's the same with like this is why they didn't bring macOS to the iPad yeah. because they want to do multitasking in a weird iPad way. So, however, they end up doing a foldable will be in a very weird and very considered um, Apple way of imagining things, which is why what we probably think about this this uh, mixed reality headset is probably way off what it will actually end up being being like because our only experience of these devices has been from you know Oculus um, companies like this whereas Apple will go in a completely different direction or at least I I kind of hope they will I hope so too and I'm kind of expecting it at this point so it could be either a huge bummer or you know cuz like that you're right I mean it is a very petulant child of me to be like well why can't you just do it like you can do it and they're sitting there thinking yeah, we can, but we don't want to do it like that. We want to do it our own way. And so we just need to be patient. But like every time one of these new ones come out, I'm just like, oh man, I would switch to this in a heartbeat. Honestly, I would. I would switch to this in a heartbeat if I wasn't missing out on uh, the the quote unquote blessing and curse of the Apple ecosystem because I'm just too tied into it. And, you know, by the way, a lot of the RCS thing, I know this is a little bit off topic, but the RCS stuff's been coming up quite a bit. Is that enough for you to leave Apple for a little bit to try out one of these other phones if you could iMessage people? Or like if it just worked, uh, like you wouldn't know that you were iMessaging or not? Like it wouldn't ruin the group chat? Well, I don't know. I mean, is I don't think that's what RCS is. It's not. Is it? It's, well, it's not really. It's supposed to be, in theory, if Apple was to adopt it, my understanding is that you wouldn't know that you were messaging you know, you might miss out on like the tap back features and stuff like that, but I think, I think it would still behave in the same way as iMessage to a point where like it wouldn't be encrypted. That would be a huge thing, right? I think the encryption part would be gone, but you know, it, everyone would be a blue bubble type deal, and and it wouldn't ruin the it wouldn't ruin the experience. You know, quality of videos and 
um, and things, right. large files being shared. We would have the read receipts, I believe, and the chat notification icon that says you're about to say something. Like I, so you wouldn't lose out on some of those core functions. I see, um, I see. And really the biggest thing for me would be how would it behave uh, when you switch back to an iPhone or switch from an iPhone to something else? Because one of the biggest things that sucks, I mean, I can I can tell my friends to kind of piss off, like you're just going to deal with the green bubble, even though it does ruin the behavior of the group chat. It really does. It's just not the same. But like from a normal text perspective, I don't really care. But the biggest problem is switching from an iPhone to an Android, and I haven't done it full on in a few years, but like when I used to do it a lot, it sucked. I would lose messages. People couldn't send, like they would send me things and it would deliver as an iMessage and I wouldn't get it as a text. And so I'd have to go through a bunch of hoops to be able to finally turn that off. And it just doesn't seem worth it to do for when I'm fully testing. So I just got another SIM to like use, but then you're still not fully invested in that phone because you're carrying around yeah. two. So that that's just a very personal problem to me. But like, I, I get why Apple, you know, isn't in a rush to fix that. They don't want it to be something as easy as, although they did come out with a tool during this whole problem where you had to like go onto this specific website and you'd enter in your phone number and it would like deregister your iMessage um, from your phone number. And that worked better, but it still wasn't great. So well, it's something that might change because the 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 amount of sort of regulatory peril that Apple is in, particularly in the EU, means that the whole walled garden is being torn down. It will be torn down in the next few years. It's going to be a horrendous battle, and this is this is the, these are the last days of the walled garden. I really believe that it's it's over in terms of that being hard. Um, and it being the, the worst that it will be in a year's time, or maybe maybe a year's optimistic, maybe three years, four years, will be that your activity rings have nowhere to go. But other okay. than that, ev everything else will be interoperable. Why does that bring me so much joy? Like, I understand that's part of the whole point of like that sucks for Apple because that's really going to be a huge. There's other sides to it though. That's that's the thing that you'd benefit from, but. The the thing that would be a weird experience would be there'd be no pre-installed apps. So when you would buy a new device, there would be nothing pre-installed on it at all. And then you would be suggested um, alongside Apple's apps, a whole load of other providers. So you're going to suddenly be uh, presented thing? with... A well, it's it's a bit strange that like you would go to set up your voice assistant and it would say, which voice assistant do you want? Well, maybe they could do like a when, at, during setup, like, do you want the Apple experience or do you want a clean slate kind of thing? And so, like, for those of us who don't care, pick the normal iPhone setup and you're in your own little walled garden of Apple apps. Um, or like, you know, Google does, I, I believe, I don't know if they've changed this, but like it used to be where you could just kind of choose the apps that they had at setup. And so, like, you can either select them all or you can just pick which ones. Like, why can't I just do that? Well, yeah, they, they, they could implement it in that way. It's just that the whole, the, the thing that is the concern with this is that Apple's um, real advantage that has made it um, be able to create such compelling products and products that are so different to um, what the, the competition have to offer um, is they control the full stack. They control the hardware and software. And it's through that that union that they're able to provide something very unique. So if that is now deconstructed in some way, what are the implications of that? And so there will be there will be great upsides if Apple um, is forced to allow you to move to another podcast app way more easily. That will be really convenient. But I don't I don't know what other implications that will have elsewhere. So could they make it available to everyone but with a fee or is that defeat the purpose too i think it would defeat the purpose because it's supposed to be um leveling the playing field and making it uh more competitive so because if, if apple offered messages as an app and you had a subscription of like two dollars a month i mean how much mo more money do you think they could make from people who I mean, I know globally everyone's, you know, listening to this and like, we use WeChat or what, what is it? Uh, WhatsApp. Like, we don't use, this isn't an issue for us. 
well, I can't get every single person that I know here in the U.S. to download WhatsApp. That's not going to happen. Like, that's just not a thing. We get a phone. We use whatever messenger is on our phone. And for most people who have an iPhone, it's the messages app. That's your only option. Um, you know, and I, and I know so many people who, God, this is terrible, but the Verizon messenger app that comes pre-installed on Verizon Android phones is what people use. And it's horrible. But, like, they just don't care. Like, they don't. They just use whatever's there. Um, the, the whole thing with this regulation is it goes more, it goes beyond just apps. So the meta who develops WhatsApp or with the Verizon Messenger, those developers will be able to request to be able to send iMessages effectively. So, That's fine. And, they, and Apple will have to allow that. So That's fine. iMessage will be over. And all of these things will will end. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying if you're gonna if you're gonna tear everything down about the wall garden in one go, uh, you might just want to go a little bit more slowly and think about the implications of what you're doing there. So you're worried it's gonna kind of ruin at first. Maybe it'll recover, but it'll ruin the overall experience of having an iPhone, an iPad, and a Mac and using those features like what we have right now um yes and it definitely fragments what's available but i i wonder I, I, the problem is i just think if it isn't if if it ain't broke don't fix it and um then I, it's so it's so difficult because people are people fall you know we see it in the mac rumors comment section whenever we write about one of these topics people fall so hard one side or the other on believing that you know, Apple's ecosystem needs to be protected at all costs, or that it needs to be opened up in every way. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of started with the whole Epic Games dispute um, with with Fortnite being removed from the App Store and in-app purchases. So it goes pretty wide, but it's easy for people in the tech community to think about this. But what about in-app payment systems? What if Apple Pay is more secure than some payment system you've never heard of? What if, you know, a, a family member doesn't understand that difference? And what if they're pushed into using one system over another? What if they, they um, you know, their device is opened up and it makes them way more vulnerable um, in, in a way that they just wouldn't have been before? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sound like. Isn't that Apple's um, like main argument would... is that it's just, it's not going to be secure and your privacy is going to take a hit. But is that true? Yeah, is the real is that really true is what we need to figure it's out. It's true, but it's exaggerated. And that's okay. kind of what uh, the EU's legal argument is now moving around because Apple's main defense is it would affect privacy and security. And the EU says, okay, maybe a little bit, but uh, definitely not to the extent that you're saying it would. All right, so I'm going to bring us back to what we were all here for, and that's the folding phone situation. Um, there's one thing I do want to talk about, and that's, you know, with the with the Z Fold here, the hinge is kind of what gets reiterated each year. And that's actually what went on with the new um, Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 4, is that they, they made a lot of refinements to the hinge and just to the overall durability. What is Apple's take on the hinge? I've seen something about an invisible hinge. Like, you know, leave it to Apple to want to do something weird and out there compared to what everybody else is doing. So this was something that Mark Gurman talked about quite a while ago. Um, I think it was for a more sort of clamshell design because he talked about it unfolding to be the same size as the iPhone uh, 12 Pro Max. So I'm guessing that's what it would be for. And he that's how he described it, um, a, a mostly invisible hinge. So I don't understand in what sense that's invisible. I think he said that the electronic components um, would be... Uh, behind the display um, rather than um, under sort of rather than under panels separated by the by a visible hinge so like so like on each side they do components and then where it would split there's yeah so I don't think that the hinge would be concentrated under that kind of plate along the back is my interpretation of it I don't think there's anything going on here besides just a hinge like I don't, I don't. But know. I think it's the, it's the parts for the hinge that would oh. be, like, spaced behind the display. Interesting. So what would that like? Just kind of be like two pieces of glass, basically folding. 
Well, yeah, so it could look a lot more like um, just like a normal iPhone when unfolded, I'm guessing. That's which would be which would be nice. It would definitely be a cleaner aesthetic. I was say, is that necessary or is that just mostly for for looks purposes? Well, it might be more durable as well. Um, because if it's more enclosed inside the device, if there's le- if there are fewer inlets, then it may well be that that has durability benefits as well. You know, I'm sure Apple would love to talk about how you know a unique um, and better looking design also was more durable. It's like that would be their that would be their perfect. You know, after Samsung has talked so much about their hinge, if if that was Apple's way of marketing it, that would be interesting. Yes, yeah, I mean. I, God, the second time they did the Z Fold 2, I think they spent a lot of time on that new, re- newly redesigned hinge. And so I could see Apple spending an absurd amount of time. We're like, yes, that is cool and interesting and important to know if it's going to break or not. But like, I don't know, get to the cool features. Are we going to be able to use an Apple Pencil with this? Like that's that would be my first thought. Well, I think you kind of have to because the whole reason why Apple hasn't offered the Apple Pencil on the iPhone so far is because it says iPhones are too small. It's too small for multitasking. But if the foldable ends up being bigger or the same size as an iPad mini, well, the iPad mini supports an Apple Pencil. So you can't be using that same justification. So I think it's got to support the Apple Pencil. I think that's what makes it unique. If it's an iPhone, the first iPhone that supports Apple Pencil, that's another great uh, you know, marketing point for them. Well, then maybe it'd have to be a little bit smaller because I think the Apple Pencil might be a little too long. It might look a little out of place. Yeah, they yeah they would have to make a minier version of that, a miniature version of it. But like, I don't know. So it really just depends on how. Like again, I'm bringing out the Z Fold here because, it just for visual purposes, it really needs to depend on how, like, durable and 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 easy to use the screen is. Like this this. This version here accepts Samsung's uh, S Pen, right? But like writing on it does give me a little bit of apprehension to it. Is that because it's a it's it's a plastic finish? I think so. I just feel like I'm still kind of scarred from the first iteration of this phone. That I'm like, and like it is still very possible to like if I took my fingernail and I didn't cut it for a week or two and really just dug it in here, I probably could leave a mark. Would it break the phone? No. But like, I don't want to see a giant scratch mark on it, and so I get a little, you know, I get a little like weary about using it on here. And also, you know, when you put this phone flat with these with this massive camera bump here, and you start writing, it just you can hear that it's yeah. wobbling. So that's another thing that I'm curious as to what Apple's going to do with it. Um, you know, they're going to want their flagship sensor. I mean, I'm wobbling the iPhone now. Like that's a well. I mean, Apple's just bringing the 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 camera bump to even more devices. We've heard rumors this week that they're bringing the camera bump to the entry level iPad as well. So every single iPad right. will have a camera bump. Every single iPhone will. So they will all wobble just the same. That makes it. Although, pretty... go ahead. I'm think I'm thinking I'm thinking as we're saying this. Uh, this would be a little bit further in the future, and Apple's developing periscope camera technology. And that would enable them to obviously have a a longer system with the lenses stacked in the opposite direction. So that could enable a flush camera. Um, I think for the iPhone 15 Pro, we're expecting to see that for the first time, but only on the telephoto. But I'm guessing by the time we get to 2025, 2026, maybe this will be for all of the the cameras. That would be be best. And that needs to be something that the iPad gets because... Like, you know, if you want to use an iPad without a case and you want to reuse the pen, like, that's just not a good experience. Like, in order to write with the Apple Pencil, you definitely need a case on it. You, you It just feels weird. It's not as bad as something like an iPhone would be, for sure, uh, the wobble. But, like, y- y- I feel like you need to go flush. The, uh, LG did that with their phones, with the flush cameras, and it was awesome. And, like, I think we need more of that. Um, I'd even settle for going back a little bit in terms of like camera quality because cameras are so good in your in your pocket like i don't know how much more do we really need is my for the average person like they, these take perfectly fine photos and videos if it means sacrificing i guess i guess a bit, what apple would say was if it's the pro phones it's got the pro cameras so the average person is supposed to pick up the the standard phone maybe the ipad air 
But if you're wanting the pro device, you're buying something that is a serious camera, which is why for the iPhone 14 Pro, it's going to have this absolutely massive camera array. I think if the 14, I know this isn't going to happen, but if let's just say the next iPhone came out, right? And then it was the, you know, just as good as the iPhone, for the Pro's version, but you're missing out on the, well, let's say they all got 120 hertz, even though they might not. Um, but you're really just missing out on the massive cameras and the new kind of display with the notch removed in favor of the hole punch. Uh, but you got flush cameras on an iPhone 14. I might honestly go with that. I think it would be an interesting proposition. Um, but I think that Apple knows that there is there is profit to be had by moving to flash flush cameras. And so they will put that to start with on the pro devices before trickling it down. Fine. It will okay, be a design even, feature. Even better, even better. But like, what, however they need but to do But that's why it, it's going to wait for the Periscope. It's going to have to wait for Periscope, I think. Make them bulkier and Which put in a bigger trade-off. battery. Everybody wins. Well, I think this year they, they are getting thicker. The devices are getting thicker and the camera bump is getting thicker. That's... It's 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 not just the size. So the actual sort of the the kind of um, the plateau, the square where the cameras are, is getting much bigger. But also the the actual lenses are getting bigger. And if you look at the phone from the side, I think it's going to be as thick or thicker than an original iPhone. If you measure, including the camera bumps, it's it's really getting to a serious thickness now. I don't know if a lot of people say that. A lot of people say, oh, you know. Just make it thicker and put more battery in there. If you were to do that with how thick these cameras are getting, um, you would definitely have a great battery life, but that device would be really heavy. That would so be my concern. The only way I would accept a massive camera bump is if you look up the Xiaomi Mi 12 Ultra, it is a one-inch sensor. It is a massive camera circle, basically. Yeah, I think it looks quite good. I do I quite too. Like that design. I do too. Borrow, do that. Do that. If we're going to go crazy and make them bigger, because the pictures that come out of it are fantastic. Like that, that would be okay. And then you can, then you can adopt a one inch sensor. And now we're talking, now we're talking about an addition of room and camera bump and space being taken up for a more functional reason that benefits people. Even though I don't think any average consumer would really care about a one-inch sensor being on there, uh, you know, for those who are the pro people that they're targeting for, you might care then. Even though I still think most people that buy the pro just want the bigger and better device, and that's why they buy it. But well, I think that this is this is the long-term strategy. So if in the long term the pro phones become a lot more different to the standard phones, which seems to be the trend every year, there, is, there are more and more components that are different and more and more features that are different. Um, you know, the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro were very similar devices. Um, they had the same displays, they had the same notch, they, um, they had similarly sized uh, camera bumps on the rear. They they were the same thickness. The chassis were the same. They they were really very similar devices. But I think if you fast forward to the iPhone 15 Pro and you're looking at a device that um, has flush periscope cameras, it's got USB C. It's got obviously ProMotion. Um, it's got uh, an actively a different sort of look because it's slightly more rounded in the corners. Um, it's a device that's completely different. And if that's at a higher price point, then I, I do think there's a case for a pro iPhone. I think the problem is maybe Apple went for it a bit too soon. The iPhone 11 Pro, what's what was pro about that phone, really? What was so pro about the iPhone 12 Pro? Right. Um, but one-inch sensor, USB-C, you're actually getting into the territory where that really can be useful. Um and I, and I think that for me, you know, I, I use the iPhone as my main camera, as I'm guessing most people do. Um, but I still find myself looking at Leica cameras and looking at, um, you know, Sony cameras and thinking the image quality is just so much better. And would I consider carrying one round with me? Um, I'm tempted. And I don't want to be tempted anymore. I want the iPhone to stand up to those sorts of mirrorless cameras. Oh, me too. Because honestly, like, as someone who has three highly professional mirrorless cameras here 
uh, and one cinema camera. Like, I'm not carrying these around, though, for everyday use. And I, I, I wouldn't. Um, and I've even gone as far as, like, shooting whole videos with an iPhone because it's, it's fine. Like, if I'm in a run-and-gun situation... Um, certainly whenever I get back to CES, I'm like 99% sure I'll bring my camera, but I don't think I'm taking it to the floor. And it's happened many years up until COVID. Um, I would go like two days of carrying around a giant backpack with, you know, massive amounts of camera gear. And then just being sick of that by the end of it, using my phone and no one knows any different, like, which is kind of sad, but no one's commented about it being drastically right. different in quality. So at this point, I'm just going to do that. And yeah, I would love for the cameras to be at a point where we can kind of ditch the mirrorless cameras for certain things. Um, but, you know, at what cost? If it's too bulky, too wobbly, I don't know. I might just be fine with sticking where we're at right now. I think it's getting there. I mean, you can see with, um, you know, what is it called? Cinematic video, the video portrait mode that was added with the iPhone 13 Pro. That is not really going to be used by actual professionals because it's not good enough. It's but you can imagine maybe with five years of iteration, I mean, it's definitely getting updates in iOS 16. iOS 16 improves that mode um, and makes the edge, det edge detection much better and allows it to discern objects in the foreground way better. If that continues with each successive iOS update now, um, you can see a situation where you actually can um, properly focus pull with an iPhone. And likewise, this year, you know, the iPhone's had a 12 megapixel camera since the iPhone 6S. This year, it's finally going to get a bump all the way up to 48 megapixels. That's something else that needs to happen. Uh, yeah. Because even if you buy a fairly inexpensive, you know, Sony mirrorless camera, that's going to be at least, what, 24 megapixels? So they, they, I know people say, oh, it's not just about megapixels. And that's true. And there are trade-offs there. And they will have to do pixel um, binning to you know, make sure it works well in low light and all of this kind of thing. But they, they need to get the specs there. They need to get those capabilities there. Um, and I get tired of the Apple events. You know, I get tired of just hearing only about the camera on the pro phones. I want to see other pro features as well. But the, if, if you're going to call that a pro phone, make it a pro camera. So I can forgive the, the massive camera for now, I think. So what would they call the folding phone then? Would that be considered a pro option as well? I think so. Considering the, the price point this would be at um, and who it was Which marketed was my next toward. question. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see how. I mean, what, what do the Samsung devices sell for? Uh, I just got one today. So, so Samsung does this thing where like, if you wanted to rent this phone for a year, you can get a thousand dollars back from it. So like each phone basically costs you, they're, they're right in the price point of like 1799 to 2000 um, based off of like when you're like right now, if you go to order this and you're trading in this phone, you can get it for 799. Uh, if you trade it in a thousand dollar eligible phone, which is basically Samsung's looking at their own phones as the highest ones. So any of the ones yeah. that were just released within the last year, um, so yeah, I mean, 1799 to two grand is usually the price point based off of whatever rebates and stuff you get out of it. Um, and that's where I think Apple should be. If they're anything more than yeah. that, that's going to be frustrating. I think the $2,000 mark seems about right. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely extortionate and I don't know if I'd pay it, but I can imagine them placing it there, especially you've got to bear in mind that. There's no way that the standard Pro iPhone is still going to cost nine ninety nine um, by twenty twenty five. There's no way. I mean, it's surprising that this year they're not increasing the, the the price of the Pro models. They actually may well end up doing it, um, and you know the the Pro models start at um, one thousand one hundred ninety nine dollars or something like that. And so by then, maybe it will be north of two thousand dollars. But you can kind of see if you've got uh, I don't know, like the iPhone eighteen Pro Max. Uh, and then above that, you've got the iPhone, uh, you know, Fold Pro, something I mean, like that. So here's the thing. If they really do make it, you know, about as big as an iPad mini, right? And they make it as useful as an iPad to where I don't need an iPad and I don't need an iPhone. I just need one device. Then, yes, it makes plenty of sense for you to take 
whatever version of the iPhone you're going to get pro wise, 128, 256, whatever, um, take that price and add in the cost of a base model iPad air or pro. I mean, I'm sorry, mini iPad mini, yeah. add it together and then add like another $200 on top because you can, and you know, it's Apple tax and they made a different device. So you're going to pay extra for it if you want to flaunt it around town. Um, and if so, it's genuinely useful, I think that's kind of justifiable. That's I hate thing. to admit it. It needs to be useful. If it's not useful, if it doesn't replace both, and I still have to have an iPad, then what are we doing? Well, that's why maybe they will prove the use case on an iPad first. Okay. So by the time you're able to buy a foldable iPhone, that experience should be so refined um, that Apple seriously knows what they're doing. And they, they know how that hinge works. They know how it feels. They know how the software interacts with it. Um, I think that would make sense. But I don't know how many people will be interested in buying it. This is the other thing that I just can't make my mind up about because I'm attracted to Samsung foldable devices as someone that has always been heavily entrenched in the, the, the Apple ecosystem. I've actually never used Android full time. I've only ever just played with Android. Um, and I'm attracted to these foldable phones. So... I'm interested, but would would other people be, especially at that price? I mean, I don't know. I think that's the that's the million dollar question, or the two thousand dollar question, or the twenty five hundred dollar right. question, whatever they're going to put it at. Because iPads are really expensive. The iPad Pros are re like regular iPads are not. I think they're a great value for what they are. Um, but like once you start getting up into the like the iPad Air M1, iPad Pro specifically, those are really expensive to the point where you can like buy a really good computer and be better off per se. I still don't think Apple has convinced the general population on why they need an iPad Pro over just like a really nice MacBook. Like you could just buy a MacBook instead with a little bit extra cash. Um, and ultimately I think it's a little bit more functional for you. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's it just needs to be useful. It needs to make it clear that you don't need to carry around an iPad anymore, um, unless you really want a larger device. I'm thinking crazy and being like, can they develop a magic keyboard that's a little bit smaller and like an accessory like that? Like, I, I in my mind, I want it to be my all-in-one device for the most part, you know, except for maybe your Mac. And even then, it could still do that. What if I plugged it into my monitor uh and now i've got the yeah, same well, thing like support same... stage manager it could right it should you know if stage manager that, that would be that would be the perfect it could be a great all-in-one device by then right so that's where stage manager makes sense maybe it doesn't need to be when you don't have it docked but like if you have it docked and plugged into a monitor then give me stage manager and that's something that they're already doing so by that point we would hope that they're already good at it uh and it's better than what it is right now um, but like, I mean, that's what you get with, I keep going back to Samsung because they're, they're killing it right now. They are the model of this area and this device category. I can use this as a normal phone. I can unfold it and use it as a tablet. I can plug it in or not even plug it in. They have wireless decks. Now I can hook it up to a monitor and it becomes my laptop. And it's, you know, it's not as good as a normal laptop, but like if you're just a person who is working on documents and browsing the web and want to watch just like a fuller screen experience. Like you can do all of that perfectly fine with this. And they make, they make tons of accessories. Other companies make accessories at uh, next doc, I believe. Um, or I forget what the actual company is, what they call it. But like there, I have the next like l pad Hold on. Yeah. Next doc, next doc. I was right. So you can get the next monitor or the next pad and you can hook that up to your uh, Samsung device and have a full-on laptop just from your phone so i don't know i feel like apple needs to trend in that direction i think a lot of people would be into it i think that apple will face a conflict here because i think in the long term they want the headset and the the ar glasses to be that kind of uh you know every device that will scale that will show you external uh, monitors in different configurations that will show you a virtual keyboard and all of this kind of thing. And I think that, you know, if we're looking toward the end of the decade, Apple is not going to want these two devices competing. And I, I actually think that we've talked about a lot about the reasons why Apple is 
holding back on a foldable, I think this is probably one of the main ones, is that they are not convinced about how many people will be interested in buying it at that price and how much it's worth it for them to develop it. It would be a great thing for them to show off at an event. And even um, you know when they eventually do this, I think this will be the anxiety. With Apple Watch, they were doing something new. They were doing health and fitness and it extended the iPhone in a, in a brand new way. But this is kind of cannibalizing the iPad, kind of cannibalizing the iPhone. It's upsetting something that's quite fragile. And if that only appeals to a very small number of people at a very high price point, is that something they really want to do? And that's why maybe they'll do it with the iPad to test the water, because I think it does make sense if you've got a huge 12.9-inch iPad that I can fold it down to iPad mini size. That's perfect, you know, a, a device to grab on the go. Then you do have your e-reader style device that you can use as a laptop. They can justify that a little better because then it's an iPad replacing two iPads, effectively. Well, it sounds ridiculous when you say it like that, but like in my mind, yeah, I'm thinking it's, like, yeah, I would use that because like, yeah, but they but they could justify that because they're not going to eat into sales too much. It kind of fits in the iPad lineup, but the phone, I think, I think. The foldable phone keeps Tim Cook up at night. I think he worries about what that does to the well, product lineup. And that's the thing. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not wrong. The the the, the sales point in the direction of no other tablet from any other manufacturer beats an iPad. So Samsung can make tablets if you want to. Samsung can make a folding phone. They don't care if like their tablet sales suffer because their tablet sales compared to the competition is non-existent. It doesn't matter. Even though I really liked, I've used their like pro version of their tablet. It's really good. It's massive. Um, but the software for tablets is bad in Android. It's not good. Um, and it's just not the same as an iPad. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know how Apple did it, but they, they did it. And it's just going to be impossible for any other like company to catch up at this point. And I think most people don't care, which is why Samsung's like, screw it. We'll just make a folding phone. And now we can appeal to those people who don't want to carry around two devices. And so my, my advice to you is if you are seeing the news about the fold and the flip, mostly the fold, I think the flip is one of those things where if you're on Android and you're like, Oh, I like the idea of carrying around a smaller phone, but also it being bigger um, and like being a normal size when I want it to be, then yeah, but, like, if you're at all tempted about this specific category of folding phones where it's a normal-sized, massive phablet phone that can get into a bigger tablet, my advice is just give it a shot, honestly. if you're Even if you're on, on iOS, I know it's going to be different. But, like, if you're at all tempted by it, give it a shot. If you don't like it, you can always switch back. So my question to you on the basis of that would be, I look at foldable devices and a lot of the feedback that I read, a lot of criticisms from the Apple community are that they say it's a gimmick. They say you get tired of the of the folding. Do you think it's a gimmick or do, is it is it is it is it great? Do you do you love using it every time? I think it's great personally. I think there's nothing quite like and also, I just because I don't like this screen so much. Like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I want to use my phone with one hand. I already struggle to do that with an iPhone. But, like, at least it's wider and a little bit more manageable. Like, this is really hard to reach the top at an appropriate, like, and, and it just it makes things look weird. It's fine for what it's designed for, which is using it at the times where you don't want to unfold it. But there's just, like, something magical between, like, opening it up and and, and getting this bigger screen here and, like, I don't know, like watching videos on it is great. I can, I know you can't see this here, but I have it like half folded and you can like kind of still do that same thing that the Z Flip can do where you can have something going on on one screen and on the bottom you can do other things. I think it's just, it depends on the person. If you don't know how you would use this or why you would need it, then it's not for you, obviously. Um, but if you're someone who's like, yeah, I could totally see that being beneficial um, and having that extra screen real estate and especially if you start taking advantage of the S Pen and you want some more room um, to write down notes, and you're one of those types of people who uses your iPad or a tablet with a stylus, uh, I mean, you kind of get the benefits of all-in-one. You know, the only thing that stinks is that you can't 
slide this into the phone. You have to carry around. There's actually a special case that you can get for these phones, oh, uh, yeah. and that docks the the pen. But I mean, that's really the only big deal about carrying all that. So you just you don't want to lose it. So yeah, I still think if you're if you're at all interested in switching to something else, and you are apprehensive about trying it, and you wonder if you would like it, just give it a shot. I don't see the harm in doing that. You can always. I mean, I hate to say this, but I, there is a 30-day return policy for most things. You can always return it if you really don't like it. I mean, that's what it's there for. So, I don't know. You should try it, Hartley. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'm, I am I. think at some point, considering I've never done it, I've never used Android full-time, I, I should give it a go at some point. I should see what it's like on, on the other side of the fence. Even if you don't um, want to And if there's any device that's going to tempt me, it will be the Pixel or it will be the, yes. the Z Flip. Yes. Yeah, I say, I say Z. Z, ah, the old, the old English accent. <laughs> that's cool. You know what? We need to start saying Z instead of Z anyways. Um, well, it, it, it throws me off. So, yeah. So, so the Z Flip, would be an interesting one for you because it's a nice, uh, yeah, it's a nice like stepping stone into foldables, but without being weird. Because like you, like I said uh, many times today, you can just use your phone like a normal phone, and the whole point of this is to just fold it up, put it away, and it's a smaller form factor. And there are some benefits to that, but you know the main thing for me is that that screen on the front is so useless when you compare it to like this screen. But that's obviously not the point of it. But if they, even if they just like expanded it to a full size, like square, you know, on that full part of what's being folded down, yeah, I think even that would be more useful. I know it's still weird because it's going to be a weird aspect ratio, but like at least you could see a little bit more. Um, and maybe it'd be great like, for seeing, you know, message bubbles, notifications. You could actually scroll through multiple notifications really easily. Yeah, I mean. Maybe you couldn't type on it, but like pre-recorded responses or pre-canned responses from yeah, well, like like an Apple Watch, basically, yeah. like an Apple Watch style experience. It, it's up to the developers to make it a little bit more useful than what it is. I mean, sure, it's better than nothing. Honestly, it is better than nothing. You do get the time. You can swipe through a couple different widgets, and you're you know, but it's just at the end of the day, it's really if they took that away from you, I still think people would still buy it because the whole main point of it is just being able to. You know, hang up like the old days, snap it down, put it back in your pocket when you're angry with your phone call, if you still make phone calls. So, yeah, I mean, that's the state of where we're at with, you know, the folding phones of today. Obviously, the reason why we're talking about this again, big news, is that Samsung finally unveiled their next generation of the Z Fold or the Z Fold and the Z Flip. Thank you. For our uh, for our English folk out there. Um, and so, yeah, we just are really looking forward to apple doing its own thing and hopefully that'll be here sooner than later um but that's where we're at and i think we're just going to end it there because this has been quite a bit of an episode already uh but you know hit us up on twitter leave comments in the youtube section here um like what your thoughts are on a folding phone would you actually use it is kind of my main question because i don't know for me yes i would love to try it but like what is the average person out there thinking um, about an, a folding iPhone. Is it useful to you, or do you just want them to focus on the regular iPhone that we have right now? Uh, with that said, we'll see you guys in the next episode.